Ultra megas, gays against groomers, and a broadcast badass who left the sideline to bring her politics front and center, Michelle Tafoya joins me. Then, the left is triggered by red hats again, and you know I have some final thoughts that are sure to pour salt in their crybaby wounds. It's Monday, August 29th, and it all starts now. The Democrats, the party of love, tolerance, and unity, might be behind. Those who support the governor should stay with him and vote for him, and I don't want your vote. If you have that hate in your heart, keep it there. And we're here to say that the era of Trump and Zeldin and Molinaro, just jump on a bus and head down to Florida where you belong, okay? Get out of town. I respect conservative Republicans. I don't respect these MAGA Republicans. There's Joe trying his darndest to make fetch happen with his new favorite ultra mega tagline, which is just cringe. But these prominent Democrats from Charlie Crist, a Florida gubernatorial hopeful, to sitting New York Governor Kathy Hochul, to our sleepy president Joe Brandon, all telling half or more of the country they aren't worthy of their illustrious leadership. But hey, if you don't want our support or our votes, don't worry, you never had a shot at getting either anyway. Not just because you're rude and demeaning, but because your policies suck harder than the Yankees fan who used a hot dog as a straw. You know, many of us have known this for years, but it's becoming clearer by the day. The left is anything but loving, anything but tolerant, and their definition of unifying is about as intellectually dishonest as their definition of recession or border security or woman. But speaking of woman... I'm glad Joe finally knows what we are now, so he must be a biologist. And I'm not sure which part of that tweet is more ironic, the sudden identification and admission of gender and biology, or Sleepy Joe, our comatose commander-in-chief, talking about waking up. You might be woke, Joe, but you sure as hell are not awake. But if you do plan to awaken women instead of sniffing us, please start with Vice President and Borders are Kamala. Get her up and down to the southern border she's yet to visit. I'm going to go ahead and speak on behalf of all of us self-identified and proud conservative women out there and let you know, Joe, that not only are we awake, not only do we know what bathroom to use, we're ready to come out in force and vote out every Democrat clown left in the swamp. Sincerely, Tommy Laren, ultra freaking mega. But up next, I don't know if she's ultra mega, but she is an ultra badass. Michelle Tafoya joins me next. My next guest spent her adult life covering sports from the sidelines and inspiring million of women, millions of women along the way, but now entered a whole new kind of field, and turns out some of her woke sports colleagues are pretty triggered by it, which is their loss. Joining me now is sports commentator and host of the Sideline Sanity podcast, Michelle Tafoya. Michelle, thank you so much for being here. I'm such a fan of yours, and it's an honor to have oh. you on Fearless. Thank you, Tommy. I, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. So I have to get your thoughts on a whole number of topics, but I figured we'd start out with what you're maybe most comfortable with, and that's the intersection of sports and politics, which is kind of <laughs> what we do on OutKick. So first of all, yesterday and over the weekend, the internet went nuts over Joe Rogan and Aaron Rodgers. And they went nuts over Aaron Rodgers last year, of course, with the whole vaccine debacle. He stood his ground. Now, the man yeah. is, you know, the man is slightly different in a lot of ways, but uh, I think he's more eloquent than most athletes when he's explaining this. So I want to play that clip for those that haven't seen it and then get your take on the other side. There's zero exemptions. You took out religious exemptions. You took you took out uh, PEG exemptions. You took out anybody's ability to have uh, an opinion. Uh, I don't want to do this. 
Yeah. Well, it's not only going to affect your uh, day-to-day status on the team, but your ability to get a job, your ability to keep a job, your ability to get a tryout if you get cut from this team. Because you want to put a percentage above 90% of your team where you guys can have some sort of like special virtue. Like, look how amazing we are. We're above the 90% threshold here. And then they, and then they, t- and then they, they scared teams and said, if you had an outbreak caused by a non-vaccinated player, you'd not only forfeit that game if you had enough players out, but you wouldn't get paid for that week. All right. We all know the madness of the COVID era. Some are really excited to keep bringing back COVID at every turn as often as they possibly can. But Aaron Rodgers pretty pretty much set it up there saying this was a ridiculous policy. More athletes should have called it out. But what are your thoughts on him saying that? And especially to someone like a Joe Rogan, is that going to move the needle at all? I think it is. Look, Aaron Rodgers has always been outspoken. As you said, he's different. He's different in that He's unafraid to speak his mind. I think that's something that resonates with you. And it resonates with a lot of people. And this has been Aaron from the very beginning of his career in the NFL. And it's he is that's why he's so interesting to talk to. And I think he's saying what a lot of people feel. Look, I remember being on a conference call with the league, the NFL. This was going into the 2021 season and how the COVID policies were going to change. Look, in 2020, I couldn't even be on a sideline. I was a sideline reporter from what they called the moat, which was the first row of seats in the stadium because there were no fans in the stadium for the most part, with few exceptions. So you had to do all, you had to mask up. Even though we were outdoors, we had to mask up. We had to do our interviews from a distance, all of these rules. So going into 2021, some things got altered a little bit. One of them was, yeah, you can be on the field, but when you do your post-game interview, you need to be six feet away from your subject. So we had to put this mic stand out there, and I had my little mic, and we were six feet apart. And and I said, I asked the question, I said, why is it, is it going to look a little disingenuous to fans when you have all these players out there, full contact, breathing on each other, spitting, sweating, all of that the goes on, and then you bring them over to a microphone six feet away from me to talk for three minutes? I just asked the question honestly, and they said there was sort of a pause, and then it was this explanation of, well, there is evidence that if you spend a certain amount of time with this person, with and and it was it was you know it's it certainly in retrospect it was it was madness, and now that we know that fully vaccinated, double boosted people get COVID once, twice, three times, why is this vaccine still considered? the elixir that's going, that is a cure-all. It's it's simply not. And in fact, we have some stories of people being vax injured now. So I think people got to get real curious about that. Uh, I agree with you. The side effects. I mean, Aaron Rodgers also brought that up. What about the people that are experiencing side effects from this? Where do they go? Can they talk about it? No, absolutely not. Because you're shamed and you're shunned and you're censored, especially on social media, when you say anything about the beloved vaccine. But you're right about the optics of this whole thing. I think Kyrie Irving was a perfect example of that. He was allowed to play on the road, but he wasn't allowed to play home games. But he was allowed to sit in the stands at home games. But he was going to board the same private plane with the team to go play away games. Make it make sense. What world are we living in? It's just felt upside down. It feels like we're being gaslighted at every turn. And then you've got the governor of New York, Kathy Hochul, saying, oh, 
School closures, what, what a terrible idea that was. Well, a couple of years ago, Kathy, governor, you were the lieutenant governor who very much endorsed this idea. So don't act as though we don't remember that stuff. It's it's I think we ought we owe it to ourselves to take an honest look back at what happened, what we did, what we got wrong, what we got right and say it's OK to be curious and to ask questions. I mean, even asking questions for a period of time was what you were called names. It was insanity. And, and to some extent still is. Yeah. The anti-vaxxer that was supposed to be an insult to call people anti-vaxxers. That wasn't yep. even people that were anti-vax, just people that said, hey, listen, I don't really want a vaccine. And I don't think other people should be forced to have a vaccine, especially yeah. to go to work. But I'll tell you, Michelle, something I'm very passionate about is baseball. And we've got a whole lot of baseball <laughs> things coming up. But as we know, there was also a big debacle as to do with Canada and the Blue Jays. Certain players were not able to go to Canada and play because they remained unvaccinated. And, you know, I did a whole segment on it and I said, listen, screw Canada. We should have the MLB stepping up. And then it dawned on me, wait a second, we are also just as bad because we're not allowing someone like, I don't know, Novak Djokovic to come over and play in the US Open. Yeah. Even though the CDC changed their guidelines, what is the motivation in your mind behind all of this, keeping these restrictions in place when we know that they are meaningless at this point? This one is baffling to me. I, I, I honestly don't know what the motivation is, except that if someone changes their tune, then they might have to admit that they were mistaken. And oh, heaven forbid someone be held accountable or be, why can't people just say, you know what? Our knowledge of all of this is constantly evolving. And now we see that it, Djokovic, you know what? You can come play. It, it's insane to me that there's this I don't know if it's stubbornness, pride, hubris, all of the above that prevents people from just saying, you know, upon further review, as we often hear in sports, <laughs> we made a bad call and, and we can overturn this call. It, this is an embarrassment for the United States as far as I'm concerned. Well, I think the reason and the motivation behind a lot of it is because they want the leeway to be able to bring COVID or whatever other pandemic they choose next. They want to bring it back because, in my opinion, they love the idea of mass mail and voting and they want to codify that. And the best way to do it is to scare people into doing just that. But there's some other topics I want to get your take on, because I know that you've dived into politics, much mm -hmm. to the, the chagrin and dismay of many of your woke colleagues. But last week was a historic week. Every week seems like a historic week, whether it's the <laughs> FBI raid or the affidavit, this or that. But I want to start with student loans, because I don't know uh, about you, Michelle, but I, I went to college. I paid back my student loans. It's something that I'm very proud of. But now these kids are looking at student loans like it's a big free for all. And uh, Grandpa Joe is going to be their saving grace. Was it a bad move? What's your thought? Oh, it was an incredibly bad move. You know, I was in Los Angeles a few months ago doing Bill Maher's show, and this topic came up because it was being discussed at the time. I then went to see my mom, and my sister was visiting. And this was all happening in L.A., and I only say that in that my sister used to work for the Obama administration. Okay. Even her, she had to say, yeah, that's that student loan thing is pretty bad policy. Even she admitted it. This is bad policy and everyone can see it. And, and the only people I think that are cheering this on are, of course, the beneficiaries of it. But when I look around at people who couldn't afford to go to college, having to chip in for this or those of us like you and I, I went not only to undergrad, I went to grad school. I paid for all of it. My parents and I paid for all of it. And I did a lot of it on my own. And I had a lot of student loan debt. 
and I paid it off slowly, but surely I paid it off because you know what? I knew when I was signing those documents and signing on to those loans that it was my bill to pay. And so this message that it sends, number one, you signed and you said you'd pay this back, but eh, we're going to forgive you. That's number one. I, I think it's a horrible message. Number two, the people now that were asking to foot the bill. It's incredibly unfair. And it's I think it's angering a lot of people. I, and I think it's opening a lot of people's eyes to how much government is too government. This is too much government. This is too much. And it's it's just unfair on so many levels and again sends such the wrong message it does we already have an entitlement generation and now they know that they can be off the hook for a lot of it so absolutely ridiculous but uh, again a lot of stuff happening in our country a, a lot of issues with race relations and i know that you're no stranger to being ambushed bombarded on this topic but i, I want to get your perspective on it because i think it's important especially from where you come from in, in the world of sports. It seems like all of the sports has become so woke now. Everybody that works in sports, everybody that reports on sports, they all have to follow a certain ideology and it has to be the woke ideology. And whereas white broadcasters, white athletes are able to talk about black squares and BLM, the second that, I don't know, you criticize something like critical race theory, they come for your head. And that's mm -hmm. what happened to you. Why is it that white people can talk about certain things when it comes to race, but not everything? Well, the funny thing is about this is, first of all, I, I was interviewed recently by someone who was surprised to find out that I'm Latina. So my dad was Hispanic and grew up in New Mexico and his whole family. And so and the last name Tafoya came from the Basque region of Spain. And he said, well, why aren't you on those lists of Latina sports reporters? And I said, there are lists. And he said, yeah, don't you? I said, well, you know, maybe it's because I'm not Latina enough. I don't know. Maybe it's because the name Michelle isn't. I don't know. I don't know. And I really don't care because I'm not into identity politics. What my fear about critical race theory is, is that it does divide people. I think we can teach history without saying, OK, now all of you that are white, you have privilege. I can find you a million white people millions of white people who don't have privilege and to simply suggest that by virtue of your skin color you are somehow privileged or on the other hand oppressed i just think it's so it's 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 taking us back and not forward and i i think we've seen so much progress and that just gets ignored and it makes me really sad i don't i don't like divisions over this and and i've seen it in my own kids schools and you you see stories all over the place i've been recently diving into the 1619 project to figure out what it's really all about. And, and I just, I think it's, I think it's dangerous. And I think we're getting to the point where we want to erase certain incidents from history, amplify others. And, and in the course of it all, we're, we're changing history, which is, which is a factual thing that can be traced and is really concrete. There are certainly more we can learn about it and more that we can emphasize and amplify without meaning that Thomas Jefferson has to be called a racist who should be erased from history. So this is it's these the, the tension that this is creating between two sides that is concerning me most. I'm not saying that there aren't things that are valid that should be looked into. And I've read a lot of it, but I also see the harm that it's doing. And I also don't know that it's appropriate in, in elementary school I, I, to, to start pointing out that you're either the oppressed or the oppressor. And, I, and we're seeing it.
We are, and it's not doing anything to help children, anything to no. help our, move our country forward. Last thing I want to ask you, though, is it, it seems like 2024 is on our doorstep because most of us wish that it was on our doorstep. But there's already <laughs> a lot of talk about who's going to run, who isn't. Is Joe going to run? Is Trump going to run again? Maybe a Ron DeSantis? So I want to get your prediction. How do you think this is going to shake out in 2024? And who do you think our two candidates are going to be, if you had to guess? Uh, this is like saying this is like every football season. I get the question, who's in the Super Bowl? And I get that question, you know, at the end of August. I, I don't know. But here's what I do think. I, you know, people who think that Joe Biden is going to run again, I think are mistaken. I don't think his party wants him to run again. And I don't think he's going to be up to running again. We're only two years in and we're seeing how fragile I think that this gentleman is. So I don't think he's going to run. Having said that, I, I think that someone like Gavin Newsom could be looking to step into that void, which if you want the rest of the country to look like California, that's a very scary, scary thought to me, having family in California born and raised there. For the Republican side, I know that Trump wants to run. It's interesting. Even some of my Hispanic relatives that I've been visiting with lately or having contact with lately, who may have voted for Trump the first time around, don't think it's good for the country for him to run a second time around. Not because of his policies, but because of what a lightning rod he is. And he is a divisive character no matter what, no matter how much good he may do from the White House uh, in terms of moving the country forward. He is a polarizing character. I would prefer to see someone like Ron DeSantis run because I don't think he has. I think he's proven he has a terrific track record. And I think it comes without that extra baggage. So I guess I'm going to welcome all Trump lovers bashing me now, but that's just an <laughs> honest assessment of the picture for, from, from my point of view. What you just said is what I've been saying for months now. I love Donald Trump. I wish Donald Trump was our president right now. I wish the media wouldn't go after him day in and day out and witch hunt him at every turn because I would love to have him our president again. However, I do believe that it has to be taken back to the adage of make America great again. I think the best person to make it great again, the best shot at that White House is a Ron DeSantis. And I'm very hopeful that that's what it ends up being. And I would love to see a Ron DeSantis take on a Gavin Newsom because I think that that would just be absolutely <laughs> ideal. But thank you for spending so much time with me and giving yeah. your insight. And we, we welcome you to the world of politics. And we're so happy to have you on OutKick. I appreciate it. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you. All right. Still ahead. If you thought everyone in the LGBTQ community was OK with indoctrinating and grooming children, well, think again. A powerful message from the founder of Gays Against Grooming joins me next. Sex, sexual preference and explicit sex education has been weaponized by the LGBTQ groomers and much to the dismay of many in the LGBTQ community who believe it's not only wrong, but dangerous. That's why my next guest founded Gays Against Groomers, a powerful coalition of LGBTQ members and allies who are pumping the brakes on the out of control indoctrination agenda masqueraded as love and acceptance. In the last three months, the account Gays Against Groomers has been banned on Twitter four times. What is the left so afraid of? The truth? Joining me now is the group's founder and the woman behind the at the gay who's straight on Instagram, Jamie Mitchell. Jamie, thank you for being here. I'm so happy that you guys are doing what you're doing. And it's so important for my audience and for the general public to know that not everybody in the LGBT community is OK with everything going on now. And that's really the mission of your organization, correct? 
A hundred percent. Yeah. Our mission is obviously twofold. First and foremost, it's to protect children from this insanity. I mean, it's incredibly dangerous, all forms of it. I mean, it's the sexualization, the indoctrination and the mutilation, um, AKA medicalization, but we like to refer to it as mutilation because that's what it is. But so that's our first mission. And second, also, uh, almost just as important, not quite as important, but, uh, you know, to reclaim our good standing in society, because what's being done now is hurting us so much. Um, you know, it wasn't that long ago where we finally achieved equal rights, which is what millions and millions of us, that's all we wanted just to be seen as everybody else in society and have the same rights under the law. And now, um, you know, we're getting lumped in with all these people just by association because but uh, just because we're gay doesn't mean that we support that. We're not a monolith and they are a very small but vocal, very loud minority of our group, of our community. And we're here to show that we outnumber them. And I truly believe that it's going to take those of us from within the community to have a more um, effective voice in this because straight people are so easily to write off as for them to write off as bigoted and hateful and all the phobics, but they're going to have a harder time doing that with us. So we're in the fight now and we're not going to leave it until this is all uh, ended. Yeah, you would think that maybe there would be room for organizations like yours to be vocal about what's going on and to separate yourself. You wouldn't think that that would be a problem for, I don't know, social media, but you guys have been banned a number of times, obviously censored, shadow banned, the whole litany of things that happen to most conservatives. Why do you think social media has such an issue with what you're saying? Is it not the truth? I think they're very scared of us as they should be. They don't really know what to do with us. You know, it's kind of a, a double-edged sword on their end. Um, you know, we're playing, we, we like to play by their rules when it benefits us. I mean, we're a minority, we're gay people. Aren't they supposed to really raise our voices and care about us? But as we know from recent years, you know, we're the wrong kind of gay, just as like black conservatives, they're the wrong kind of black. So, um, they're scared of us and they, they don't want our, our message to get out because you know, they have censorship, but we have the majority of the population. So obviously this is the most uniting possible cause there is on earth is to safeguard children from harm. Um, and I think that they are seeing how quickly we're growing also. Uh, it, uh, September 6th will be three months old. So we're, we're really new still. And we have over a hundred thousand followers on Instagram, 90 some on Twitter. So it's, I never expected it to blow up like that. I mean, I thought at some point like we'd start getting some recognition, but it really happened almost overnight. Um, and so they see what's happening with our success and how many people support us. And they definitely view us as a threat. And I knew they would. And I don't blame them. Yeah, well, you are a threat to what they're trying to do, which is still mind boggling to me. I got to be honest with you, Jamie, because I don't really know what the end goal of some of these radical LGBTQ individuals, corporations, groups. I don't know what their end goal is. It's one thing to have pride parades and rainbows and to be all about love and inclusivity. That's all fine. The majority of the population is all good to go with that. Most people don't care. Love who you love. Do what you want to do in your bedroom. We don't care. But now it's a very targeted and unabashedly targeted approach towards kids. And I, for the life of me, can't figure out why that is. What's your take oh. on that? Yeah, we know why it is. I mean, they're trying to normalize pedophilia. They want to add, they ultimately want to add a P into our ever-growing acronym, which, you know, we were fine with LGBT. We don't really support the whole Q plus nonsense. Um, we can't even keep up with it and we don't know how kids are expected to. 
but yeah, I think, you know, back when we were fighting for gay marriage to be legalized, a lot of people, a lot of people on the radical right, they were warning of the slippery slope. And I and all of us thought that that was they were absolutely crazy. It was like, no, we literally just want equal rights. But, um, you know, the woke radicals have proved them to be correct and the slope to be very real. And, you know, I think that obviously it's to normalize pedophilia. I think that there's also a big motive for big pharma. I mean, these these kids, once they're hooked into the system and medicalized, they're going to be big pharma patients for life. And I also think, you know, if a kid can consent to changing their gender, what can't they consent to? I mean, that's pretty massive. Right. You know, if they can consent to having these surgeries, life altering permanent surgeries, um, I think that the next step, which isn't very hard to get to, is that they can consent to anything, including sex with adults. Um, well, that's, and, uh, that's a very good point that you make, what the motivation is. And it's a selfish motivation. It's a disgusting motivation. But you're not alone in in groups, in people, individuals, especially people with platforms that have been calling this out. Over the weekend, I don't know if you saw, but there was a, a big dust up a big debacle involving the wife of Jason Aldean, Brittany Aldean, who she posted you know, a little video saying that her she's glad her parents didn't change her gender when she went through a tomboy phase because she loves being a girly girl. Yeah, was it a little bit, you know, pointed? Yeah, it certainly was. But there were a couple other country artists, Cassidy Pope, Maren Morris, and a few others that were very, very triggered by her statement. And uh, they didn't take the advice of Michelle Obama they did not go high. They went lower than low, calling Brittany Aldean insurrection Barbie, saying she's disgusting. Did you see all this? And what were your initial thoughts when you saw it go down? Oh, yeah, we uh, I saw that taking place in real time. And I think it's really funny that all of these straight people try and speak for us. First of all, we're not a monolith. Second of all, mutilate mutilizing um, children and and medicalizing them and, and performing permanent procedures on them uh is not transphobic <laughs> that's called being a good person a sane person we're tired of this uh attack on children being lumped in with just being inclusive it's incredibly dangerous and um i i wish she would come and try and say that to us really because we stand with britney 100 percent um i'm a tomboy and i'm still a tomboy i grew up a tomboy um and i often think as do all of us in our coalition, we constantly talk about how if we were raised right now, we 100 percent and our parents were a little kooky and believed in this gender cult. We would have 100 percent a thought we were trans. We were supposed to be in the other body because of the indoctrination. And our parents likely would have transitioned us and put us on puberty blockers and God knows what else. So um, I'm grateful that I wasn't raised right now because I love being a woman. There wasn't a day in my life where I thought I wanted to be a boy or a man. Um I'm a proud lesbian. And, you know, what they're doing to these kids, they're ultimately really erasing people like me and, and um, you know, feminine boys or masculine girls. It's OK to be a tomboy. That's one of our main campaigns. You know, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that you got to like uh, bust out the, the surgical equipment and, and start chopping body parts off. And that's where this is leading. That's what's happening. They like to deny that that's actually happening. But as we've seen in recent weeks with Boston Children's and just a, a, a whole bunch of clinics um, and hospitals around the country, this is actually happening every single day. And it's not only being promoted, but encouraged. Um, so yeah, to, to, to Marin and her friends that also got involved, uh, we, you don't speak for us. Um, 
And it's not transphobic. It's not anti-LGBTQ rhetoric whatsoever. It's called the right thing to do. It's common sense. Um, and it's parents, sad. To and parents should be taking an active role in this because it's people like Brittany Aldean, a parent, who are speaking up and saying that this is not okay. Listen, be what you want to be. If you grew up and you're a teenager and you decide that you're gay or you decide this and that's where your true feelings are, if you get to a certain age and you want to be trans, go for it, do what you want, but don't target children. And that's the biggest thing to all of this. But the last mm -hmm. thing I want to get your take on is what people can do, what people that might be afraid of being called a name, gays that are afraid of being called a name, if they stand up, what advice would you give them on how to effectively push back without being completely canceled? Mm, I think that you just need to be courageous enough to stand up and say it. You're definitely not alone. Um, you know, I, as being a right wing um, gay person. I lost a few friends along the way and that's just what happens, you know, but ultimately a lot of them come back because they're like, oh, wow, you actually were right. Uh, and some of them don't. And I think it's okay to lose those friends. Um, sadly, that's the reality we live in. But if you're not going to stand up for this, I mean, this should be the red line. This should be the hill that we all die on. Um, we can't let this continue. I oftentimes say that, you know, we're going to look back at this time in our history as one of the darkest periods and and look back in horror that we ever allowed this to happen but you know if 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 a straight person gets called out as being homophobic or transphobic i tell them point them to us say no i'm not alone in this even gay people and trans people believe this so we're going to change the narrative and uh they're not going to be able to stop us and i agree stop with you and i would also say just to piggyback off your message as somebody who is conservative and who is straight I will say this also to my fellow conservatives out there. It's also up to us not to be disgusting people and to say disparaging things about people like Caitlyn Jenner and so on and so forth, because the conservative community has come after me for supporting someone like a Caitlyn Jenner, a consulting, a consenting adult who chose to make a life decision, which we should always be about freedom, just not when it comes to children and indoctrination and mutilization. You're exactly right. But I think it's up to all of us to maybe change the way we speak about some of these things and stand up for what's right but do it in a way that's civil and sophisticated and based in reality and fact and, and not just hateful. So I appreciate everything that you guys are doing. I know there's going to be a lot of censorship, but keep fighting that good fight. And thank you for being with me and amplifying your message. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. Up next, Euphoria star Sydney Sweeney has the bloodthirsty cancel culture mob on her tail for having the audacity to host a birthday party for her mom that maybe might have been loosely, and I mean very loosely, ultra mega inspired. My final thoughts are next. You could be anything you want to be in Hollywood these days, a boy, a girl, a they, them, a potato. I mean, the options are literally endless, but whatever you do, do not be a conservative or even slightly maybe kind of appear to be a conservative. In the case of Sydney Sweeney, don't even get caught throwing a birthday party for your 60-year-old mother that has even slight undertones of Donald Trump. And whatever you do, do not invite a guest that might support law enforcement because the internet will lose its marbles. Yes, this is a real thing and it trended for hours on Twitter yesterday. Turns out Sweeney threw a surprise hoedown themed birthday party for her mom that included hats that said, make 60 great again. And get this, <laughs> she posed for a photo next to a friend or a family member who wore a Blue Lives Matter shirt. The horror, I know, lock that woman up. 
My God, you think she got caught holding a satanic seance or making a human sacrifice, but I'm sure liberals would prefer that to a freaking red hat that makes something great again because they're freaking babies. But now the cancel culture mob is coming for Sweeney and her family, forcing her to make a social media statement directing the haters to stop making assumptions and reassuring them the birthday bash wasn't intended to be a political statement. But honestly, who gives a flying hoedown if it was? Guess what, loving and tolerant libs? People are allowed to like Donald Trump, and despite the media and Democrat Party's best efforts, most people do support law enforcement and, yes, think their lives matter. The fact that her mom's birthday party caused that big of an uproar is freaking pathetic. How are these people able to function day to day when they get this rabid and this shook over red hats? Red hats, good lord. The left conveniently forgets that half and likely more of this country likes, voted, and would vote again for Donald Trump. Just because no one has ever thrown a Joe Biden-themed anything, other than maybe a funeral, doesn't mean liberals get free reign to shame the Sweeney family. It's like I talked about in the beginning of the show today. The left is anything but loving and tolerant. They project their hate, their intolerance, their racism, and their bitter BS on us because, quite frankly, they hate themselves, especially the white ones. So go through a pity party or a justice riot or post a black square and get over yourselves because you're not that special. Happy birthday to Lisa Sweeney and screw the mob. Those are my final thoughts. Make sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Tommy Laren. And don't forget, you can catch the full show and exclusive content on Outkick.com. From Nashville, God bless and take care.